I'm going to pretend to be, uh, at this time, David Stern, the commissioner of the National Basketball Association, but this is what David would have sounded like. Well, that's it. No, I won't. I won't do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're listening to Unscripted with Mike and Chris, brutally honest sports talk. And now, here is Mike Jansen. We welcome you to this 541st episode of Unscripted. Um, we're doing, again, something a little different this week. We had our headlines on Saturday, our Monday mailbag, obviously, mailbox, excuse me, on on uh, Monday. On Wednesday, we're going to just relax a little bit. We're going to call it our the Unscripted Lounge, and welcome to it. Mike and Chris with you again on this 541st episode of our little program. Um, the The lounge is simply... Some days we're going to go back and do like we used to do with Freeform Friday, uh, where we find something on our Twitter account and talk about it. Um, We may have a top five list of something. We may just find a singular topic and just talk about it for however long we want to talk about it. But, (coughs) excuse me, just trying to relax a little bit. This is our last episode of the week and uh, just try to have a little fun, unwind, and uh, talk about whatever comes to our mind from the wonderful and wacky world of sports. And on this particular episode, um, I know we have done draft busts in the past, and I could have included draft busts such as Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, Tony Mandrich, just to take a look at the NFL, and uh, numerous others who should be on this list. But we've already mentioned many of these guys, so I'm going to go another way with this. So here are my top five biggest draft busts in honor of the just-concluded National Hockey League draft that took place earlier this week. And I will start, and then Chris will have one, and I will, and we'll just subsequently go down to our number one top draft bust. And I have communicated with Chris. There will be no mention again of Ryan Lee for Jamarcus Russell, Tony Mandrich. Um, we've already done those guys. They've already been roasted at the altar of unscripted. Um, They know their screw-ups, so um, we're just going to go a little bit different way. Um, I took, in my five, I took a couple examples from each of the big four, and then I had a big big one at the end for my number one, so let's get started. Number five, this one was unique for these were two NBA players that were drafted on the same same night back in 1998, but they were traded for each other on draft night. The one team did very well, and the other one got royally screwed. So let's get started. I'm going to pretend to be, uh, at this time, David Stern, the commissioner of the National Basketball Association, but this is what David would have sounded like. No, I won't. I won't do that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. With the sixth pick of the 1998 NBA draft, the Dallas Mavericks select forward Robert Trailer from the University of Michigan. Yay, yay, hoorah, congrats, congrats, congrats. Then the fun starts with the 11th pick in that 1998 draft, and let's bring David Stern back in. With the 11th pick of the 1998 NBA draft, the Milwaukee Bucks select forward Dirk Nowitzki from Germany. And just a few minutes after that, Commissioner Stern takes the podium to announce a trade. The Milwaukee Bucks have just traded their number 11 pick, forward Dirk Nowitzki, to the Dallas Mavericks for the Mavericks' number 6 selection forward Robert Trailer and future considerations. Well, guess who won that trade, folks? Nowitzki went on to have a Hall of Fame career as the centerpiece of the Mavericks organization for over 20 years, 
while Trailer lasted the length of his rookie contract and actually passed away due to health concerns a couple of years ago. He was probably more famous for his nickname, which was Robert Tractor Trailer, when he played at the University of Michigan. But again, he passed away a couple of years. And part of it, I'm not making a joke here, but part of it was an obesity problem. Robert Tractor Trailer died a couple of years ago in the in his late 30s. And again, rest in peace to the tractor. A fine basketball player. I remember him back at Michigan years ago, but he couldn't take his game from the collegiate level. And this is no sin. This is no shot at Tractor Trailer. A lot of guys don't even get drafted. A lot of guys don't even play at the University of Michigan. But Robert Tractor Trailer has got to be considered a bust for having been the sixth pick in the 1998 NBA draft. He lasts the end of his rookie career, or end of his rookie contract, excuse me, and then he's out of the league. So rest in peace, Tractor. I don't mean to poke fun at you, but that was one of the most unbelievable one-sided trades the Dallas Mavericks end up getting Dirk Nowitzki, and the Milwaukee Bucks just got screwed. Wow, interesting. Okay, well, uh, I've heard of that guy, but I uh, never really watched him or anything. But uh, with a name like that, it just reminded me too much of uh, Big Country Reeves. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, oop, don't need any more of that in my life. Got so. that right. Yeah, Vancouver Grizzlies. Wow. Anyway, uh, all right. Um, I guess we could probably put him on that list. I did. Oh, for sure we could. I, I never thought of big country. Yeah. I didn't even think of him because I, I didn't tried think to bring, of big country. Man, yeah. he actually could be on here. But uh, at at uh, number five for me, I've got uh, from the 1983 NHL entry draft, the Minnesota North Stars had the first overall pick, and they thought it would be a good idea to do something. It would be unheard oh, no. of right now. Oh, no. I've got the same one. Oh, is this do you? Brian Lawton? Yeah, this is Brian Lawton. Yep. Okay. Let's, let's take a look at U.S. high schools in <laughs> Rhode Island, I think. <laughs> let's look at Mount St. Charles Academy. Oh, yeah. We can project this guy to the, NF, to the NHL. All right. Yeah. Brian Lawton, first overall. That's bad enough. I mean, right yeah. there. Even if that was a terrible draft, that would have been terrible. But, right. Like, look who's next. Uh Number two, Sylvain Turgeon, all-star. Yep. Number three, Pat LaFontaine, Hall of Famer. Yep. Steve Eiserman, Hall of Famer. Tom Barrasso, all-star. John yep. McClain, all-star. Russ Courtnell, all-star. Andrew McBain was just an average player. And then you've got Cam Neely, At Hall number of Famer. Nine. Yeah. yeah, and then you had Dave Gagne, 12. I mean, you had all these Hall of Fame, or not, well, you had lots of all-stars. Claude Lemieux, Bob Probert, Brian Bradley. Like, this is a who's who. Darren Poopa, Essa Tikkanen, speak close to my heart. Gary Galley, Kevin Stevens, Rick Tockett. I mean, like, oh. Hell of a draft. Oh, yeah. Jeez. And, like, look at these Hall of Famers. You've got Vladislav Trechak, like the, the hero for the USSR, the amazing goalie, and Fedezov. And, I mean, just amazing stuff. And you take a guy from a Rhode Island high school. Like, that. that's what RI is, I think. <laughs> that's what it is. You're yeah. exactly right. Mount St. Charles Academy. Yeah. And Brian Lawton has made a career. Like, he had a little career there, and then... To this day, he's still a he's still a broadcaster on. Oh, the, is he? Oh yeah, he's still on. Is it NBC? Maybe I don't I know. Have he, no idea. He's one of the on the American broadcasts this day. Brian Lawton, you still see yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, he just never worked out, and I mean, maybe if he had gotten to go to a proper college program and get proper seasoning. I think his biggest problem. I get a kick out of this. Brian Lawton did what a lot of people at the time thought was an audacious thing by requesting jersey number ninety eight. A shot at the great one, Wayne Gretzky, who was, and, and obviously was the only guy that should ever wear number 99. This guy was a legend in his own mind before he even played one shift on a National Hockey League uh, yeah. sheet of ice. And we, you just rattled off all of those names. 
that has got to be one of the bigger busts in NHL draft history for sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just ridiculous. It didn't make any sense, and it was it was reckless, and it was it was terrible. But in fairness, I mean, the guy's a high school kid. What do you expect? Well, you I, eat some high school kid, and they come and they think you're so hot that they draft you first overall. I mean, how how big would you from Rhode be? Island too? Like, I mean, much, how much hockey are you playing in Rhode Island? Who's he playing against? Well, he's playing against Boston area schools because Rhode okay, Island is pretty sure. close yeah, to Boston. Yeah, but but uh, crazy, you know, Rhode Island is considered New England. So mm-hmm. uh, let's continue on number four on my list. So we won't have to do number three on my list because my number three on my list was Brian Lawton. So number four, this is from the National Football League, and no, again, it's not Tony Mandrich or. Ryan Leaf or Jamarcus Russell. Yes, the then Oakland Raiders made the unusual move of drafting punter Ray Guy in the first round of the 1973 draft, and he went on to a Hall of Fame career, which ended with him being in, in, inducted into the Canton Hall in 2014. But in 1979, the New Orleans Saints, who weren't as good or as popular as they are today, tried the same thing, but with disastrous results. Then-NFL Commissioner Pete Rozelle made the following announcement. With the 11th pick in the 1979 NFL Draft, the New Orleans Saints select place kicker and punter Russell Erksklaben out of the University of Texas. <laughs> Erksklaben didn't even last through the end of his rookie contract and was never to be heard from again. Two picks after the selection of Erksklaben, the then-San Diego Chargers selected future Hall of Famer tight end Kellen Winslow. No wonder the Saints sucked then. And I also have to make note of another thing that the Saints did, and this just came to my head. Um, Remember when Mike Ditka was running his first draft as the coach and quasi-general manager of the New Orleans Saints, he sent his first, what was it, five picks or something like that to somebody so they could draft Ricky Williams. Remember that? How oh, stupid that was? Yeah, like the whole draft. Yeah, he's, he's basically his whole draft terrible, class. Terrible. And he traded it. And then he was more funny that he was going to go golfing because he didn't have anything else to do the rest of the day. So you wonder why. And you, you appreciate if you're a New Orleans Saints fan, you really appreciate what Mickey Loomis has brought to this organization. He's brought stability. He's brought a sense of calm. He's brought some brains to the organization. Mickey Loomis would not send his whole draft class to one team to draft one guy. And Ricky Williams had, you know, a fair to Midland NFL career, most famous probably for his his uh, passion for smoking weed. But uh, you spend you send a whole draft class to one team so you can draft Ricky, Ricky Williams. That's a bit much for anybody. Yeah, well, unless it's Barry Sanders, well, then it's... understood. I, I would do it for Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders, maybe, sure. Yeah, um, I, would, I would do it for, for Barry sure. Sanders or Jim Brown. Jim Brown, yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, then yeah. if, I mean... I love he, Jim Brown. Yeah, yeah, if those guys turn out exactly like those guys, clones of those guys, no one, no one's going to go back and say, oh, you get... You know, and especially if you would have gone to a proper team, you have Barry Sanders, you know, if he would have been in the Emmett Smith role or something, cool. and, and they would have won six Super Bowls in a row, uh, you know, nobody's looking back yeah. and saying, oh, well, that one draft, you gave up a few extra picks. No, no one cares when you're just Super Bowl after Super Bowl. So yeah, put, put, like you said, remember we had discussed this a while ago, put Barry Sanders in the Emmett Smith role in Dallas, and you wonder how many t- titles they would have won. And, and r- Emmett Smith is a Hall of Famer. And the rumor was it almost happened. Right. I mean, the, I, I've heard it pitched that maybe that they were looking at it because I don't care anyone. I don't think anyone, maybe a diehard Dallas fan, like who's going to say that Emmett Smith is just more talented than Barry Sanders? No. 
Hopefully nobody. They're kidding themselves. Hopefully nobody. But I mean, the idea was Emmett Smith and a first round pick yeah. for Barry Sanders. And boy, that would have been neat. Not that I want Dallas to win more, but that would have been really cool. Uh, for my number four, I'm going to stay in the early 80s NHL drafts. And uh, I'm going to go three years back to 1980. And uh, we're going to look at a guy from Regina, Saskatchewan. who played for the Regina Pats and his name was Doug Wickenheiser. And is he related to Haley? Uh, I don't know, actually. That's a good question. But he is out of, uh, he is Canadian, certainly. So uh, do I see here? I don't see anything about that. I don't, I don't think he is. But anyway, um, he was taken first overall by Montreal in the 1980 entry draft. And he just never amounted to anything. And uh, that was like back then, you know, average players scored a point a game, you know, and, and then he couldn't even do that. And it was just a disaster and he never amounted to anything. And then his, he tragically got a rare form of cancer and died at 37 years old in early 1999. So he's even been gone for a long time and just a tough one. But I mean, at, yeah, okay. So at number two overall, they, uh, Winnipeg takes Dave Babich, who is an all-star certainly, but at three, four and six, you get hall of famers. So just at, at, at just at three, four, and six, these three guys were all taken after Doug Wickenheiser. Montreal, Montreal did eventually get Denny Savard, but they okay. could have drafted him. Oh. They could have had Larry Murphy, Ooh. and they could have had a guy named Paul Coffey as well. <laughs> Can you imagine Montreal coming off of that whole seventies when they're winning all those cups and they get Paul Coffey to play with like Guy Lafleur and stuff? Like, I mean, it would have been ludicrous, right? And I mean, there's tons of other all stars in that draft. I don't know. I don't. Uh, oh, Yari Curry was in that draft as well. You think there's anybody out there that would uh, ever? I maybe maybe in a drunken state in the back of a bar room someday, but certainly not in public. But would there ever be ever be the thought that maybe Paul Coffey was as important, or maybe even more important than Wayne Gretzky during the great run of the Edmonton Oilers? I mean, Paul Coffey could do everything. Yeah. And I understand. I, I love Wayne Gretzky. He is the great one for a reason. His numbers speak alone. But my God, you talk about, people talk about Paul Coffey, and it's almost like they're talking in reverence in regard to how in awe people were of his skills and how good he was and how good a thinker he was on the ice. That's amazing to me. I mean, I don't think, I think you'd be chastised for saying it, but I believe that there are some people and not everybody loves Wayne Gretzky. I bet there are a few people that would tell you that Paul Coffey was just as important or more important than Wayne Gretzky during those great Oilers teams. I, I think, I, I don't think I could say that for Gretzky. I think Gretzky is the most important, but uh, anybody else, absolutely, you could really make the case. I mean, even Messier and Anderson and Curry and all those great players, Fuhrer, like, I mean, it, it would be a great discussion, I think, to have. Who was the Oilers general manager then? Glenn Sather, Slats. He drafted all those guys or uh, traded for them or you know, he assembled the team. Well, let's see. The drafting was early 80s. Right. Like Kevin Lowe was their first pick. And I know they got Gretzky from the, what was it? In, Indianapolis Ice or racers. racers or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The WHA. Yeah. That was, shoot. Uh, now, who was that? Was that Hocklington uh, back then it was some I remember they literally like uh, were negotiating well I think Gretzky was on a plane and like when he landed he found out he'd been uh, traded but uh, I forget who if it was Pocklington it might have been Pocklington even I have to look now I forget that but anyway whatever it's but... um, 
yeah, anyway, you but, put yeah. that collection of talent on one team. That is just that's unbelievable. The, the mm-hmm. players that they had on that on that team, yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, totally. So, number three on my list, uh, I'm going to Major League Baseball. And uh, again, if you are just joining us, thank you so very much for doing so. Episode number 541 of Unscripted. Mike and Chris, we're calling this our Unscripted Lounge. We're just having a good time sitting back, two guys talking a little bit about some sports. Um, We're going through our top five busts of all time, and this is in honor of the National Hockey League draft that just was concluded a couple of days ago. Number three on my list, and we're not revisiting names that we've used in the past. We're digging a little deeper here, and I'm going for... Uh, one from each of the big four sports, and then I have one grand finale as my number one overall bust. Number three, from the June amateur draft in Major League Baseball, super agent Scott Boris, and everybody everybody knows who this guy is, whether you love him or loathe him. Um, he's been around for a while. At the time that this young man was drafted, Boris called him, and I quote, the best high school pitcher that he has ever saw, that he ever seen, excuse me, that he has ever seen. I better get the words right. The New York Yankees must have believed him when they made left-handed pitcher Brian Taylor the first overall draft pick in the 1991 June draft. Taylor is one of only two players in Major League Baseball draft history to be drafted number one overall and not make it to the Major Leagues. Taylor, unfortunately, suffered a career setbacking injury by tearing the labrum and suffering a separated shoulder on his left and throwing arm after helping his brother in a fist fight outside of a bar after getting drafted, and he never totally recovered. And I remember this guy because I was in the radio business, and this guy was hyped like none other. This guy could throw it through a brick wall, and he could throw a curveball that would break at your knees, and you'd be sitting there with the bat in your hand not knowing what the hell you could do. And this guy was protecting his brother. I believe it was in Norfolk, Virginia, but I'm not sure. But somewhere, his hometown, Brian Taylor's hometown, and uh, he was protecting his brother, got involved in the melee. They ripped up his labrum, and he had a separated shoulder on his pitching shoulder, and he was never the same. And this guy who was given an unbelievable contract by the Yankees in in regard to being back in 1992. We're now going back almost 30 years, but uh, he never made the major leagues. And this guy, if you remember, this is about the same time that Doc Gooden was winding up his career with the New York Mets and the New York Yankees and a bunch of other teams. And a lot of people compared Brian Taylor to a sober Doc Gooden. And you know how good Doc Gooden was when he was sober, before he got into all the extracurricular bullshit. But this guy was supposed to be the next Dwight Gooden, and he never made it to the major leagues because of a dreadful night outside of a bar, and I believe it was in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. Uh, Number three, I'm going with someone. I remember I talking about this guy, I think, when one of the very first episodes of Unscripted. And uh, in my head... I always think, because I know there was there was the debate about who would go first and who would go second, and I always think in my head that he went second because my brain has trouble that someone actually took him first. And in 2007 in the NBA, the Portland Trailblazers decided to take Greg Oden over Kevin Durant at first overall, and Greg Oden was 7 feet and 250 pounds, and I've just said too many good things about him, and uh, he just turned out to be nothing and super injury prone and terrible in every way. And just useless. And Kevin Durant, uh, you know, was a was an 
awesome guy for a long time and now seems like a weirdo but he's still <laughs> other than when he's hurt he still played and had a lot of success and everything so good for him definitely better than greg odin but i mean the, i remember the debates and i thought and i i thought that they were i think like i think people were saying like to draft durant i don't remember at the time though how, how was media opinion at the time uh, well remember he was only had only spent one year at the university of texas so he was 19 years old and they thought he was probably a little light in the ass. Um, he was very, very skinny then. He was about 6'10 and probably weighed under 200 pounds. So they were afraid at the beginning that he might be a little bit too light in the ass to compete at the NBA level. But I think he's overcome that and done a pretty good job for both the then Seattle Supersonics, then now, of course, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And now, of course, he'll be playing next year for the Brooklyn Nets. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, it's funny. I'll skip my number two because we've already covered Brian, uh, uh, Brian, whatever his name was, um, but Brian Lawton. But number one on my draft bust list, and I'm going to take it one step further from what you just said, I nominate the Portland Trailblazers as having the worst draft record of any team in professional sports. And after hearing what I'm about to share with you, it's no wonder the Blazers haven't won a championship since 1977. In 1971, the Blazers, with the number one overall pick, of that draft, drafted a center out of the out of the uh, out of Loyola of Chicago named Larue Martin. Many NBA experts believe to this day that this is the single worst draft pick in the history of the draft. He lasted until the end of his rookie deal, and it was never heard from again in NBA circles. Players that the Blazers could have chosen from that draft: Hall of Famers Bob McAdoo out of North Carolina, and a guy by the name of. Julius Dr. J. Irving out of the University of Massachusetts. Oh, but I am not yet done with the Trailblazers. Let's move to the 1984 draft when the Blazers had the second overall pick in that year's draft. Houston had the number one pick and the Rockets selected future Hall of Famer and two-time NBA champion Hakeem Olajuwon out of the University of Houston. But after that selection, the Blazers were on the clock and the team selected center Sam Bowie out of the University of Kentucky. The 7-1 center played with a number of NBA teams in his career, but nothing really outstanding. Most famous to my recollection was his pension for breaking his leg numerous times. But here is where it gets fun. The team with the third pick of the 1984 NBA draft was a guy named Jordan. Michael Jordan out of the University of North Carolina, who the Bulls picked right away and won six championships during his time in Chicago. Even after this, I am still not done with the Blazers. Of course, Chris just mentioned, and I'm going back to the same thing in regard to 2007, when again, the Blazers had the number one overall selection in the draft, and they selected center Greg Oden out of Ohio State. Injuries derailed his career in fairness, but he had some injury concerns while at Ohio State, and either the Blazers didn't know about them or they refused to believe that he was an injury risk. Who was taken second in that draft? Chris has already mentioned it, a forward out of the University of Texas named Kevin Durant. So let's quickly recap. In these three drafts, the Blazers selected LaRue Martin, Sam Bowie, and Greg Oden. And they passed on Bob McAdoo, Hall of Fame, Dr. J, Hall of Fame, Michael Jordan, Hall of Fame, and in my opinion, best of all time, and Kevin Durant, future Hall of Famer, regardless of a pain, the big a pain in the ass as he is. This is why I think that the Portland Trailblazers have the most dis disastrous drafting history in all of team sports and in my opinion there isn't even a close second in this dubious distinction wow okay well, i did my homework this yeah week. you really did on that one wow okay uh number two i'm gonna go with the tie and this is deserved because this these are both 
first overall picks in the NFL by the same franchise within five drafts of each other. Oh, God. <laughs> Do you know who this is? I think so, but I'm going to let okay, you. Okay, well, we're going to go to the team who I love their helmets and their colors, and I cheer for them, the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> in 1995, they go Kijana first overall Carter. to Kijana Carter. And 1999, <laughs> they go with Akili Smith, <laughs> I who I would have been better playing for the Stamps than he was. And uh, what can you say? Now, with Carter, in fairness, you can say a lot of it was just injuries and he had bad luck with that but i mean drafting a running back first overall is generally not a good idea and uh, i mean unless how, it's barry sanders yeah and how or many and how many early you know quarterbacks do we see as busts and these were both just terrible picks that didn't work out at all and they really contributed to the bengals being this yes. loser franchise for so long you know to miss on 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 that many number one picks early i mean i thought about putting on the list uh, you know, Nail Yakupov, for example, like the Oilers had three number ones in right. a row. And you had Taylor Hall, who was really good. And you had Nuge, who's good and still plays for them. And you had Nail, who's terrible. Then you get Connor in 2015, um, who's amazing. But you can't whiff on too many first overall picks. I mean, that's why we bashed uh, the Browns for taking Baker Mayfield in 2018. We're seeing he's at best nothing special and at worst horrifically bad. And you can't make that many mistakes as a franchise. And um, that was just a terrible, terrible thing. And so, yeah, the Bengals, just, you know, the poster childs for loser franchises uh, for a long time. I mean, now the Browns and the Jets, I mean, are certainly worse than them. And the Bengals made the playoffs five years in a row, um, you know, in this past decade. But uh, you can't mess up like that. And Kijana Carter and Akili Smith. If it wasn't for Ryan Leaf and Jamarcus Russell, I think those would be... I agree. They would get a lot more play. And I mean, if we're just doing a straight list, you have to... Like, my top two would have to be uh, Jamarcus and Ryan Leaf. Like, they have to be. They are just the prototype, typical thing that people think of when it comes to draft busts. It's, they're just synonymous with that. It's hard. You have to sift past those two guys before you think of someone else. And if it wasn't for them, then I think then you would see these guys... Uh, uh, getting a lot more play for sure. I'm out. So what do you got for your number one? Oh, yeah. Because we, we doubled up on Bellows. Of course. So yeah, I, I know, whatever his name uh, is. Lawton. Lawton, yeah. Yeah, Brian Lawton. Um, this was a tough one for me. And so what I used as a tiebreaker was if it, you know, if the franchise not only made the mistake, but then they doubled down on it. Like, you know, in, in poker, people do this all the time. They have a bad hand or they bluff or something. And they're, they've thrown too much money into the pot on a bad hand. And, well, I've come this far. And so then they just all in. Like, I mean, no. If you've put in too you made some mistakes, you put in too much money, just just fold. Just get out of there. and Go just, to the buffet. Yeah, li live to fight another day. You know, take your money and whatever. But um, when they double down on it, it's bad. Because, I, I mean, as an Oilers fan, I wanted to put Yakupov first as... You know, just a guy who doesn't like lazy athletes. You want to put Alexander Digg first. Uh, yeah, you know, I and I thought I, I really thought about that. Oh. But how about you take? You know, you think taking a quarterback or running back first overall can be controversial. Uh, how about taking a goalie first overall, which other than way back in the day hasn't happened, other than Mark Andre Fleury, you know, three. Um, but in two thousand, <laughs> three years in. after taking Roberto Luongo fourth overall and using a fourth overall pick there. Um, you then take, uh, you then take Rick DiPietro, um, uh, you take him, uh, first overall and he's just horrific and he's terrible and he's useless and he gets hurt and he can't play. And then they not only <laughs> double down on him, they don't just sign, oh, we just resigned him. 
No, they resigned him to a 15-year contract. They cut him. He's still probably getting paid from that. He is getting paid until 2029. Sounds like Bobby Bonilla. Sounds, sounds like Bobby Bonilla, exactly. He's getting it. He's getting 1.5 million a year till 2029 from a compliance buyout they did in 2013. Jesus. You know, so he gets drafted first overall in 2000 and he gets paid for 30 years to do almost nothing. That's the kind of job I'm looking for. Yeah, it really is. So, I mean, uh, NHL career, 318 games, 2.87 goals against average when scoring was a bit lower, I think, there. 902 save percentage, whatever. And, um, yeah, that was that was Charles Wang's uh, masterstroke right there for sure. So, just an absolute disaster. And um, it, when, you, when you factor in a horrific draft pick, which could have been number one on its own... Hmm even without the insane contract, which not only ruined everything for their franchise and hurt them for a long time, but then messed things up for the league. And then the league yeah. had to do everything and get rid of those right. backloaded contracts and the long-term contracts and make like eight years max, seven years if it's a uh, first-time guy on your team. And uh, just a disaster. Like just horrifically reckless for the good of yourself and, and the good of the league. Just a joke. We've got a run on this 541st episode of Unscripted. We hope you enjoyed our new format. Um, I enjoyed doing it. I hope Chris did as well. Uh, and remember, um, I haven't been doing this, but I still, I, I haven't forgotten. Please remember, if you're listening or watching us on YouTube, you can certainly subscribe. That would be greatly appreciated. All you got to do is basically point and click and uh, subscribe on to whether, again, you're listening to us on the myriad of different uh, ways that Chris has set up for you to do so. And also, obviously, you can subscribe on YouTube as well, where we're now being aired um, with Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.